Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. Welcome to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions weekly held on Christianity, faith, and beer. Please subscribe, rate, and review Go to Hell Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are you doing? I'm cold. I live in California, and I've seen some really funny things recently. We have a very temperate climate here in California. Yes, we do. And I think we talked about this last week, but it, we just had water polo practice from 6 to 8, and just touching a lot of wet stuff and it's 39 degrees and i'm just very cold because the last two hours have just been standing out on a pool deck touching wet things and my hands are cold my body's just cold i don't do well with the cold i actually when i was uh when i was in college i was a mechanic and and i was a tractor mechanic so we had to be out in the fields at you know 5 a.m to work on stuff and i remember that the everybody talks about the heat around here because our heat gets up to about 110 yes the summer is here and like that's temperate right you know uh but and yeah yeah it's the california dry heat but uh our winters are not super cold i mean 39 38 sometimes it can get down oh it's been it's been cold the last three weeks yeah it's been been cold and it bites hard we also get it's been under freezing a couple times and again for anybody Who's listening where it's normally much colder than that? Uh, you go to hell. That's cold for us. So, yeah, and also something you would al- you would also melt when it's 110 here. So, and also it out. in our area, uh, something that it's known for is we have a very very dense fog. Oh yeah, um, the Thule fog. Yeah, like people talk about. There's like a lot of hints at like San Francisco has this really thick fog that comes in off of the bay and all that kind of stuff. But actually, the fog here is actually way worse than the stuff in San Francisco. Um, this stuff is this stuff is is thick, and uh, in fact, we have school schedules that revolve around yeah. the fog because the, we don't have snow days. We have fog days. We have fog days where it's where we cancel buses canceled. because uh, it's too foggy. You can't you can't see two feet in front of you. So so when that fog rolls in and you're on the pool deck, it just bites through your clothes and it's just it, get, it gets cold. So I'm cold, even though I know I'm a wuss out here. It's I'm not, not the type of person that's like the Los Angeles like news networks. Have you seen those where they're like? When is this Arctic freeze gonna end? And it says like forty-eight degrees, and you're like, "All right, well, <laughs> you know." No, your issue is for those who aren't, since we're not recording this with video. Colton's wearing a somewhat, somewhere between light and heavy jacket, a light. He's wearing a sweatshirt, but people need to know he wears this sweatshirt in the summer. <laughs> so he doesn't get sunburned so it's not a thick sweatshirt and then i don't know what he's got underneath so got dude nice... you need to buy a bigger a uh, thicker jacket i've got like this one, <laughs> he might have five layers on i don't know i've got three um <laughs> yes i could go for a bigger jacket but also at the same time it's like 
I just would like for it not to be cold. <laughs> That'd be great. I'm wearing I'm wearing tights underneath my pants right now. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I doubled up. Like I was cold. And it's not it's really just the hands. The hands are the worst parts. When I was a mechanic, it was the worst because you'd go out there and just you'd bust your knuckles on cold steel. Everything every wrench that you touched was freezing cold. Everything was just cold, 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 cold. And you whenever you when you hit your hand and it's cold outside, it's ten times oh, worse yeah. than when oh, it's yeah. hot outside. Oh, it's the worst. Yep. Glad those days are over. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, how are you, Tim? Doing well, doing well. Tim never left his house today, guys, so he's he's nice and warm and cozy. No, so. I actually I was out most of the day oh. running a v- variety of errands. But uh it w- and it was cold today. It was you could tell it was about it was about ten degrees colder today than it had been. I think yeah. it didn't didn't peak past a balmy forty six, which I again, yes, I'm sure some of you are thinking are listening to this laughing at us saying forty six is cold, but that's forty six around here and for like peak temperature is pretty pretty warm. My son lives in Oklahoma and apparently uh in Muskogee the high today was a very balmy seven with a wind chill of minus twenty. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst part too, is the wind is, and like I completely recognize the wind chill. Like that I Our daughter in law said it was freezing. It, there was there was ice on the inside of the windows in the car. I would move away. <laughs> I don't understand how people live in Oklahoma. Move away. Like that's all I would say. Leave the wind place. came sweeping down the plane and made it even worse. But apparently that's the way it is. We're rec- we are recording this. we we did our Christmas episode last week. You will be hearing this well after Christmas, uh, but it's a couple days before Christmas. So we are at the uh, towards the tail end of the the latter two thirds of December. So what are we drinking tonight? I'm actually I'm well into drinking tonight. Colton showed up in my house and I was already I've already had a Firestone Union Jack, a Firestone Walker Union Jack, a Firestone Walker Hopnosis IPA, and I've had what are you drinking? That was the first one I had many I'm hours ago. Idaho Secrets West Coast IPA from Firestone, which part is part of the propagator. Part of their propagator series. If it makes you feel any better, I'm on Christmas vacation, so I, uh, I had a, uh, I had a beer at like ten thirty this morning. Awesome! So. so we'll be drinking Firestone throughout the night. There's also some Modern Times out in the, uh, the beer refrigerator, so I might be uh, partaking of one or two of those too. Anything to get the uh, core temperature up. Yes. Please. So we don't. Ha- well, actually, we have a hot topic tonight. No clean, no cleanup on our. I mean, I feel like this is kind of like cleanup, but yeah. Well, somewhere between cleanup and yeah. You gotta say for yourself this time. You gotta clean up on aisle four. Clean up on aisle four. Clean up on aisle five. Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle seven. Clean up on aisle seven. Clean up in all the aisles. So you sent me a TikTok video this morning. Yeah. It was both funny and informative. Yeah, extremely. It's by a guy named Dan McClellan. 
we will insert audio of the TikTok so everyone gets here. We'll also do a link to Mr. McClellan's play page so he gets some views. He seems to have some really interesting TikToks. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of it in line with some of the stuff we try to do, which is point out misconceptions of dogma. Yes. Confusing English words for being and taking them literal. But this guy's an honest to God scholar to the point where you and I both joked hope we hope to God he doesn't get a hold of the Go to Hell podcast because it'll probably rip us to shreds too. That's right. But in the video he it's some guy, it's some strange guy. I hope we don't come across the way this guy does. He's sitting behind a desk. Yeah. Like he's they're doing like a podcast. He's doing a podcast. He's sitting like behind the desk like he owns a mechanic, like a car garage or something. <laughs> and he's emphatic on the use of the word. Basically, he's saying if you don't use, no, know no. the actual literal name, of, name Jesus. of Jesus, then you're going to hell. Right. And the English form of Jesus is not his name. Right. And then it just turns into a series of... Uh, a, a, a series of an unfortunate events for this guy because there's a lot of because uh, Dan tear, tears him apart logical fallacies in what he's bringing up right you know his name's not Jesus right well you know you're not speaking first century CE Galilean Aramaic right if you go back to where Jesus was walking the earth and you walked around and said where's Jesus nobody would know who the fuck you're talking about well, they also wouldn't know what the word wears means. If you start looking deep into the scriptures, man, one of them says, my children will know my name. There is no passage in the Bible that says, my children will know my name. Well, his name ain't Jesus. No, the scripture says, seek and ye shall find. Listening to a pastor tell you something isn't seeking. Well, neither is watching a video where a creator blithely spouts dogmatism about how important it is to correctly pronounce a name that that creator does not know how to correctly pronounce. Why am I so big on the name? Because of the attention. Well, because if you look at certain scripture, it says, give praise to my name, give glory to my name. What's his name? Well, that depends upon the time period we're looking at, uh, what region we're talking about, what dialect we're looking at, what text we're looking at. Some of them just use yod Hey, some of them use yod Hey vav some of them use yod Hey vav Hey. all of them worked. But really, name here is functioning as an index for or a vehicle for the agency and presence of the deity themselves. It is metonymic in those references to giving praise to and glory to the name. And I published a book called Adonai's Divine Images where I talk about how the name can function as an index vehicle for divine agency. This is Jesus. That's not his name because his name was given to us over 7,000 times. Uh, under 7,000 times. 6,828 times, give or take a handful. But then at some point in time, way back in about 383 AD, they translated it and, and they were told not to use the name anymore. So that never happened. Uh, Christians from the very beginning adopted from Judaism the practice of using Kyrios, Lord, as a substitute for the divine name. And that practice was developed within Judaism probably a century, maybe two, before Jesus was even born. Now, 383 is when um, Jerome started translating the Vulgate. 
but there was no issue with the divine name there. Jerome just used the Latin word for Lord in that translation. One of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. Now, what does the word vain mean? Well, our concern is not what vain means. Our concern is what shav means, because the word is not vain. The word is shav. And shav can refer to using words as part of a magic spell. It can refer to using words for wicked or evil purposes. And it can refer to using words in ways that end up being worthless or inconsequential. It means to make meaningless or useless. How much more useless can a name be if you just stopped using it? You're making it as useless as it can be by not using his name. And he says, don't take the Lord's name in vain, which most people think says, don't say God damn. God damn is it, first of all, God ain't his name. That's a title. Secondly, that's not what it means. It says, don't make God meaningless and useless. But that's not actually what the, the thing said. He basically said, don't make my name meaningless. That was his commandment. No, the commandment is lo tisa shem Adonai. And tisa comes from nasa, which means to lift, bear, or carry. So the commandment is specifically not to deploy the name in a certain way. And most likely it originally referred to not using the name in the swearing of oaths that you did not intend to keep or that were aimed at evil or wicked or inconsequential purposes. And then we are all doing it when we say Jesus. We're all doing it when we say God. Why? Because it's not, that's not his name. Imagine going up to the pearly gates, because I could have just saved all your lives. And there's a big dude up there like this. He's standing there all big and buff as shit. And he goes, what's up? Ah, uh, yes. Heaven well known for its toxic masculinity and its bouncers. You say, what's up? They say, who are you here to see? You say, Jesus. And he goes, and he goes, I don't know who you're talking about. But they are speaking English. You ever read the scripture where he says, go away, you do not know me? Because if you knew me, you'd know my name. No, I'm not familiar with that scripture. <clears throat> I'm going to walk up. They're going to be like, who are you here to see? And I'm going to say, I'm here to see Yahshua. As I pointed out in a previous video, that's just taking the modern English pronunciation Joshua and changing out a J for a Y, which is also laughably wrong. Yashua. My man Yahshua is supposed to meet me here so I can go meet Yahuwah. Also laughably wrong. Or Yahweh. So that's better. And if I'm wrong, we're all fucked. Mm, probably not. And what, again, with what Tim's saying is we don't want to be those guys. Uh, we don't no. want to be the, the type that are just so certain and what it is that we're saying and people make mistakes that's the hard part about posting stuff on the internet like people say things and then we go back and and we can sit there and we can say that we were wrong right like that's that's also what we need is is for us as people that grow and develop is that we're able to sit there and say like hey we are we messed up. Um, we didn't do enough research. Uh, we didn't know that there was maybe like a new school of thought or something that had developed or, or uh, more research had been done and, and that was no longer proven. I mean, like there are even parts where it's like, okay, do we even know this? I was like, because of, you know, it was this the correct data that we had received, you know? Right. What is the consensus? We don't know. Things change regularly. And so it's nice for us to talk about this because 
we ask every single episode, we say, hey, we want you to send us emails. We want you to talk to us. And we would love, we would absolutely love, because Dan, right, McClellan, yeah. is, I saw his videos and it was so funny. And I did think, I was like, man, I really would hate for him to get a po- uh, get a hold of our podcast. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I would love for him to do that. And if there was something that we did wrong and that we were off on because he has a PhD in theology is I would love for us to be like, oh, that was our bad. And like, we made these mistakes. We can, we can change this. It doesn't make us not credible. Again, what we had talked about when we first started this podcast was that we are two guys that are expected to be leaders in the church, not leaders of the church, but leaders in a church. Right. And so they expect us to lead Bible studies and, and all these types of things, um, youth ministries. And where we have focused on a lot of the time is we have focused on, we talk about what we are supposed to do and what we're called to do as believers. That's what have been our main focus. We uh, try not to get on huge tangents, but occasionally we do where the, we're talking about, you know, the breakdown of like in this case, like this person that says that uh, if you don't know the name of Jesus, then you're going to hell basically or whatever. And like the true Aramaic uh, yeah. uh, name of Jesus, then you're going to hell. Our podcast was really, we just want to, we have, our target audience is really those people that have been in church the whole time. And, and, and maybe you question a lot of the biblical traditions that have existed. And you're like, is this really what Christianity calls from me? Is this really what Jesus wants from me? And it's like, well, not all of it, honestly. Like, you know, and that's been part of our focus where we're like, there's a lot of things that you are keeping people from the faith um, because of this focus on all of these dogmas, there's so many people that are putting this stress on these things that are, that are eternal, so to speak. These are the things that grant you eternal salvation when it's really not that broad, actually. It doesn't have all of these huge, it doesn't have a, a wide variety. It's very small. And so if you have feedback for us, please give it to us. We've been, we're waiting. We're, we're published now. So if there's anything at any point, we say we joke all the time and hopefully you understand that we're joking after you've listened to this podcast enough that, that you could go to hell if you have negative comments or that kind of stuff. Whatever you send, we'll read and we will. <laughs> we may not talk about it right away. There may be some things that were just like, well, uh, you know, it, it maybe we can't discuss or that kind of stuff. But uh, if there's something that you feel passionate about, then please reach out to us. Um, we're on social media. We're on email, all that kind of stuff. I think Tim still owns a pager. So if you'd like to send that out, <laughs> go for it. Um, I have a Motorola page, Sky pager. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, that's just what I would say is just – and, and again – we are totally open to criticism and that kind of stuff. And, and we want to grow and develop as a podcast and grow and develop as believers. So we're never done growing. So No, I, yeah, I think we're taking this podcast as kind of a, it's almost like two guys, part of a men's group, Bible study. And we're taking, we're bringing to the table whatever, whatever knowledge we have of the Bible. You know, you have more, you have more schooling than I do, but I have more more years just growing up in church and 
added number of sermons and years reading the Bible and stuff like that. But we're not coming to this as as authoritative, and I would say we're we're dogmatically we're we're dogmatically undogmatic is what we're <laughs> yeah. trying to do. Yeah, and where we've you and I have gotten angry with people is where we think they've gone astray in nonsensical drama that's just hurt people, whether it be Christians or non-Christians. Absolutely. And to what you said, we use that we tell people to go to hell at the end. And I, I said it numerous times on the, the episode where we read from the BuzzFeed article, the, the, the whole name of the podcast and telling people to go to hell is really t- tongue in cheek. You know, <laughs> there were several, I think pastors and stuff that had said just stupid things and we said that person needs to go to hell. It's, you know, it's it's a tongue in cheek thing. It's it's a way of saying how disgusted we are. Right. But in no way am are we saying we're trying to stay outside of the lane of you're going to go to hell, you're not a true Christian because you said something that I find really offensive and is keeping people from being in church. You're misguided. And what you're doing, I think, is hurtful. But I, I'm there's no way I'm going to say that you're... I am sure there are things that I believe as a Christian today, and my belief as a Christian, the, the things that I believe, the dogmas and all that, that have changed over the years. I'm sure there's still things that I cling to or reimaginings of things that I believe as a Christian that one day when I... Whenever heaven comes about, it's going to be, oh, yeah, I was completely wrong about that the one thing i'm sure about is i'm pretty much sure i'm not sure about anything the older i get yeah i I am sure about grace and that's about it yeah one note about the video specifically so this guy whose video gets torn apart he makes a well this guy clearly has a again i don't know it I don't, I don't, I've never seen this guy. I don't know who he is. He seems like he's got, got a pretty big ego. So he gets way over his skis on the original meaning of words or what original words were in the Bible. I would just counsel literally everyone listening to this. That is always, <laughs> that is a lesson I learned as a kid is always a dangerous thing to engage in. And I say that because when I was a kid, my father was a New Testament Greek professor and a dean of students at a Christian college. So he knew New Testament Greek really well. Yeah. My entire life when he was alive, when, when he went to church, he would take a Greek version of the New Testament to church. I can't tell you, I cannot possibly calculate the number of times on the way home after church he would politely he wasn't rude about it but he would say you know pastor and so and so had that was not the greek (laughs) the greek word for what he said was in the new testament that was not the greek word it was a different greek word and that was not what that passage meant and i just learned at an early age that it's really hard to i mean i would I think I've heard that it's harder to do the Greek than it is the original Hebrew. The Hebrew is much more straightforward. I don't know if that that Hebrew might be just as bad. It might be harder. I don't know. But all that to say, 
that's one of the reasons why we talk about don't get hung up on word specific words in the Bible because the the Bible we're reading because we're reading translations and the the original text that we're reading is is Greek and that is not even what Jesus was speaking. What is being written is a translation of what was being spoken. So when we get really dogmatic about this word means exactly this, it gets us in a lot of trouble. Yeah. But unfortunately, we've had inter-church wars, church splits, people burned at the... You know, all kinds of horrible stuff because people are fighting over the whatever the word or these series of words mean. So... If you catch us getting over our skis, doing kind of the same kind of thing, point it out to us. Or if just if we get something wrong, you know, we, we kind of did some Bible, rethinking Bible stuff on our Christmas episode when we we're talking about Luke and Matthew. If we got to go over our skis, got something wrong with some of that passage, let us know. We're fine with that. It'll make the podcast better. We're all trying to grow here. That's right. We're not, Colton and I are not speaking through these microphones with any sense of authority. No. I think we're just two guys that want to have a conversation about this kind of stuff. And we're bringing to the table what we know. And there's going to be people out there that know way more than we do. And so we're, we're also willing to learn in that kind of stuff. But there's also parts that we hope that for those of you that are out there that maybe you learn a thing or two um, about who Jesus is and what Jesus wants for your life and that kind of stuff. So, And that's what we try to focus on. So, yeah. I think well said. He was really funny. I mean, honestly, if any of you guys would like to go check out any of his stuff, he has a couple of things. He has things where he's kind of just dissecting really what other people other people are saying and, and maybe there's some questions and that kind of stuff. And he's like, well, this is what the scripture actually says about that. Um, and it's really great. Like, it's awesome. Uh, and then he has some other stuff where he just explains t- to people about – uh, different subjects in the Bible that maybe people don't know about makes it really nice and accessible for people. Um, his videos are a little long for TikTok, but I th- still think that people would enjoy them, especially if you enjoyed this podcast. I think that you would enjoy it if you checked him out. So, I'm gonna get another beer. Now moving on to the Modern Times, Dungeon Map West Coast IPA. That's right. Modern Times, another phenomenal beer from San Diego, the beer mecca of the world. Oh, I've heard. And I was like, there's going to be some people from uh, Portland. People from Portland, people from Seattle, people from Sacramento are going to be upset. I'm sorry. For me, it's San Diego. You all do a wonderful job elsewhere, but... For me, it's San Diego as well. It's San Diego. And uh, Sonoma County, you do a hell of a job too. So tonight we're talking about the magical prayer. Is becoming a Jesus follower just saying a magical prayer? Yes. Church of Christ people are going to be upset with us tonight. It is unfair to say magical prayer. Is it unfair to say that a lot of people think that it's just saying a prayer? 
Oh man, are we gonna dive into universalism again tonight? No, no, no. Well, there, but a large swath of people, including someone I would I I respect, Mister Billy Graham. That was the whole source of the ministry: is you say a prayer and let Jesus literally. What you'd say, let Jesus into your life. And it the the feeling is the belief is you accept and the Holy Spirit comes into you and starts transforming your life. Right. Yep. Yes, I I agree that that is a perception. Uh, wait. Oh, we could also double down on this, and that's why I was gonna say. Um, there's also people that believe that um, just dunking your head in underwater does that for you as well. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. So you have the prayer, then you also have the baptism. I think there's a large swath of. Uh... I was actually there's a. If, okay, so the, there are people that believe that the prayer doesn't all the work. They're like, oh, they all agree. They're like, no, that isn't it. But there are a large group of Christians out there that believe that it has to be that dunk, that that is what saves and that's what brings the it's grace the washing. It's the washing. That's right. The, and there's a huge parts of that. Like, like we have, I think we've mentioned it before where uh, you also have, that's why they do baby baptisms. Mm-hmm. It's like we're Baptists. We don't do baby baptisms. Uh, we're Anabaptists actually uh, now. We hear uh, a lot of Catholics say, "Are you a Christian?" They say, "Well, I was baptized as a baby." Right, and so that's what that's what makes you into the fold, regardless of whether or not they did confirmation and all that. It's kind like of stuff. it's like branding a calf. Right, exactly. It's this is this is God's property. Um, which is, um, again, there's there's things to be said about that, which I, we will unpack tonight. But again, just well, I don't kind have, of, well, let's, well, let's, just, let's stop on the baby baptism thing. Oh, okay. Just so we don't let that hang and piss a bunch of people off. I'm all for baby baptism, but that's not for the purpose of saving the child. The baby baptism, you would agree, is the parents declaring to the church or the group that they're going to raise that child up in some Christian way. Do you think that's what it is? I always feel like the baby baptisms are the parents are sitting there saying, if my child dies, I want them to go to heaven. That's what I think it is. I think that a lot of parents do do that. I think if it's, if a church is doing it properly, I would hope if a church is doing baby baptisms, which is interesting. I just, it just occurred to me the, church we were at before they did do them they don't do them at our current church i never thought about that wait church before it didn't do wait you're saying they did do them they did do them they did baby dedication they did baby de- well it's the same so, thing well okay so the hard part about so here's the thing about baby dedications okay so you have baby baptisms which is the dunking of the baby um or like you know the wiping of the water on top of the baby's head so there are some that you have the baby baptism which is that's where I think is you have the parents that are like I want my child to okay like, I, I'm getting you now to be sanctified now and just so we're clear so we went to a Baptist church and so that's why there's a huge push and when I was on staff we would do baptisms and like we would talk about who's who's upset who's up for baptism and that kind of stuff and literally there was five six year olds that were that were being asked to go for baptism. Yes. And there would be 
there would be talks and staff meetings where we're like, is this okay? Is this something that we're comfortable with? Not because you, there, there is a, there is a bit of ceremony that kind of goes with the baptism of just, uh, this is something that you should be deciding for yourself. And it's really, there should be a weight behind it. Right. Right. um, Oh, this is perfect. So there's, there's a weight behind this decision and that kind of stuff that a five-year-old would not be able to feel. Right. They, they don't know what they're signing up for at that point. They're Correct. just like, okay, like, yeah, like, this is just what mom and dad said, and so that's what it's, it should be. And so that's still the – and we would still argue, and this is what we would argue a lot of the times in the staff meetings, is this is still the parents trying to save their baby. If their baby dies, like, if they go – if they die at six or seven because they believe in that dunking process and that prayer, then therefore – it would save them from that. So that would be the, the, the baptism. And so it almost kind of still is like that baby baptism. Um, and of course it just so we're clear for anybody that would possibly be upset at the fact that we would turn down five and six year olds. We never turned anybody down. Like we would just have the conversation and we'd just be like, is this what's acceptable or okay? Then you have the baby dedication, which is what you were saying, where it's like the yeah, parents. Yeah, I, conf- I confounded the no, two. No, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, this is where the parents are saying like, hey, we are dedicating our child to be raised in this kind of thing. And it's uh, this joint kind of situation between the church. And this also happens in baby baptisms too. So if, um, where the church says like, we will take care of the baby. Like, you know, as a congregation, we will take care of them, blah, blah, blah. The hard part is, is like, I... And this may be where I get in trouble with uh, Dan if Dan comes after me. Is it's not exactly like it has biblical sort of origins behind it, but not really. Like Samuel is dedicated, but like Samuel gets left at the church. Like you know what I'm saying? Like uh, his mom gives him to the church, and he's raised by the priest. But that was like that was traditionally. What I'm not aware of any that. tradition. It'd be nice for Dan to, yeah, Dan correct us, but. <laughs> So Dan, I, I appoint Dan our omnibus for this podcast. Yeah, it's actually we're not we're not appealing to to divine authority. We're appealing to Dan's <laughs> Dan the, Dan the theologian. So you may come after me, and I'm like, Dan sure, McClellan. go for it. I'm I'm saying that I, as far as I am aware, there is no dedication quite like the dedication that we do now. I think it, to me, baby dedications are just like parents want to get up there and say look at my baby yeah, yeah. uh so and it's Put like it oh that's nice, cute you yeah. know and you get to share in that moment and again you get to feel a part of the community and all that kind of stuff which is huge for church that is how you should feel when you go to church you should feel like you're a part of the community and so it serves a purpose but as far as whether or not it's biblical or not eh, it's not really okay <laughs> so those are the two and right. then you have regular baptism where Again, you feel the weight of that situation. You get dunked under the water, and they believe that there is a prayer that should be said before that. Okay, but that's baptism. But what about the magic prayer? Before the baptism. Before the baptism. Right, because there's that happens, but then you're not. There's people that believe that you're not saved until the baptism happens. And again, we were Baptist, where we were of that nature, right? Because you got to go to the class and you got to do the whole thing, and so. You got to say whatever you want to say, and then eventually you are able to be baptized. And in that baptismal moment, you're already saying what you had said six weeks prior, but now you're doing it in front of the entire congregation. Right. Public statement of faith. That's do all. You, do you, do I not believe, though, in the magic prayer? Do I believe in the magic prayer? Yes. 
I don't. Do you believe in the magic prayer for some people, but not everybody? Uh, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay. Let's set. Let's try to do what we sometimes Somebody's do. Somebody's going to be which offended is, by the fact that I just. Uh, like, well, let's. So let's quote some. Scripture. Let's maybe try to find some scripture where. Where does the magic prayer come from? So that's why I pulled up Revelation. Revelation, last book in the Bible. It's not Revelations. It's one long Revelation. Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with the person and they with me. Sometimes interpreted as, sometimes written as, knock and ye shall find. Which is often used as a verse to say, all you have to do is open up your heart and let Jesus in. Yeah, Jesus is knocking. Oh. Another one is, would you not agree? Uh, if I confess with my mouth. Confess with my mouth? You confess with your mouth. Dan's going to say, yeah, the scripture doesn't say. <laughs> no, go find that verse. Go find that verse. Uh, I was like, look it up. And another one is the thief on the cross. No, the thief on the cross is the opposite. Oh, no, you're saying that he recognizes him as Lord, and so therefore he says it then? Yeah. What was it? If you confess with your mouth. I think it's in Mark. Because if you confess with your mouth, it's Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Uh, okay. Who's Hillsong's uh, pastor? Hillsong Church's pastor. The Australian dude. The the now disgraced dude? Is he disgraced? What happened? Somebody, somebody got in trouble with Hillsong. Frank Houston? Yeah, Frank Houston. Was he the one that had the situation? I think so. And that's funny. So he... When I have heard him talk, he had he'd always use no. It was it was uh, Carl Lenz. It was Carl Lenz that got in trouble. Sex scandal. Oh my goodness! Uh, Houston always would use three different types of. Oh, it's the same clown that who was pastoring Chris Pratt, Kendall Jenner, Nick Jonas, and Justin Bieber. By the uh, way, I'm not saying none of those people I named aren't Christian. I just you know celebrity pastors, celebrities. He would always use three different types of translations whenever he would oh, that's smart. speak. So he would do King James as one of them, and he would do the message. So he'd literally go like coast to coast <laughs> as two, and he'd do one in the middle. So I think he would do ESV. The King James is much easier when I was younger, and I still knew my Shakespeare, and now it's just it's really hard. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There are benefits throughout the world and is proven that, I mean, and there are studies that show that manifesting, when you say things out loud, there is a response that your body has. If you, if you say it out loud and believe it with your heart, like, you know, um, there's something that comes with that that's able to carry over. There's a response. And more belief is kind of put into it. It may seem cheesy. It may seem kind of weird or whatever, but there is something about saying it out loud that moves the body. 
um, manifesting things is, is huge. You, you sit there and you manifest. Um, and it, I know that it seems weird and it can seem hoaxy and that kind of stuff, but there's something about it. And so like those are elements that you could definitely take um, in this. <sighs> the question is, is it required? What about people that can't speak? Oh, I'm not being that literal. I'm just me. I'm being more like it doesn't matter if it's a vocal or internal that it's just is it as simple as saying I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Tap my toes twice or three times. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. No, actually, I would argue that it's simpler than that. argue away oh okay so we haven't talked about it yet well i mean i brought it up several times so you have this situation in the book of galatians i talked about it several times so paul and peter get into it they have a an issue paul is working with the gentiles peter is working with the jews at first, they're very accepting, the Jews are, they, and then it gets dialed back, and Peter um, begins to start making distinctions between the Jews and the Gentiles and saying that there is one particular act that needs to happen in order for the Gentiles to receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Which is what, Tim? Do you know? Circumcision. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. So Peter is arguing that the that believers need to be circumcised in order enough to. to what about the ladies? God's grace. Uh, take it up with Peter, man. The women are just property; they just get to go with their their man up to heaven. So at this point, so. Ooh. So there's this idea that Paul is pitching, and not even pitching; he is 100 percent fully invested on is that there is nothing that we do to earn our salvation there's nothing that we do it's already given to us and there's nothing that we need to do we can't earn it we can't do any of it and this is something that gets preached all the time all the time it's preached all the time when is it not preached i i don't even know people are always saying that there's nothing that we can do to earn it there's nothing that we can do and so this is where you kind of get them in a game of semantics where it's like, okay, so what does that entail? Yeah, because I can start inserting a whole bunch of yes buts, yes buts, yes buts. Right, so you would say, so yes, you have, well, and I mean, we can go for it. So you can say, yes, it's not earned, but you need to be baptized. Yes, it's not earned. No, it's freely given, but you have to say this prayer. Yes, it's not yes, it's freely given, but you have to live your life in this certain way. Well, that yeah, there's the tension. So is it freely given or is it not? Because apparently you have to earn it. So is it earned or is it not? You either earn it by saying your prayer, you either earn it by saying it out or by getting baptized or you earn it by going out and you live your life this is the classic this is a classic protestant versus catholic argument so the catholic argument is you have to earn it there are things you have to do to continue to earn it 
Right. And you can fall out from it. And, and you can fall out still, from it. I wouldn't even say that this is a Catholic versus Protestant argument. There's no, no. The, the Protestant argument is you accept it and it's not you doing anything. The Holy Spirit, if you truly accept, then the Holy Spirit's changing you and you do see it. There's a manifest change in your life. So we're and you're not you're not earning it by your life changing, but there is a change in your life. But see, that's the hard part too, is where you sit there and the Holy Spirit. There's complications in that as well. Let's go back to the original. Let's we'll circle back to this. I'm really good at putting a pin in things, circling back. I want. I don't want to get off the magic prayer thing yet, though. I mean, I feel like I'm still talking about the magic prayer. Thing. Okay. You are. Okay. What, well, you've you gone mean? a different route than what I was expecting. Oh, I'm sorry. I think we'll get back there with the – I'm going to circle back. I think we'll get back there. My problem with this – so, look, let me give you my background. I'm seven years old. It's 1978. I'm with my parents. We're down in Dallas, Texas, and they somehow – they had gone to – they'd gone on a missions trip to Taiwan, China, and South Korea. And on that trip, they meet this couple, Chinese couple, who had escaped – red china as we call them at the time and the woman had this really compelling story where they were leading a home church they'd been caught by this was still mao's china so christianity was absolutely forbidden it's not like now where you're allowed to have a home church but you're still like highly policed and whatnot and so she got put in front of fire firing squad they fired the guns this was her testimony fired their guns guns didn't go off I don't remember all the details, but anyway, she and her husband escaped. So here I am, seven years old. I hear them tell their testimony, and I decide it was March 6th, 1978, that I want to become a Christian. So I say the magic prayer. I don't think I fully, but really was a Christian for another 20 years, 25 years. But you had decided to follow Jesus. But I decided to let Jesus into my heart. No turning back. No turning back. And so so that's my story. Now, it seemed real at the time. It probably was real. Here's my problem with the magic prayer. Getting back to what you were talking about. There is a Catholic-Protestant argument in the very, very, very Calvinistic, very Protestant argument is there is literally nothing you can do which we agree with, but I don't think the way they say it. There's literally nothing you can do, blah, 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 blah. It's all the Holy Spirit. The way it gets framed is if you're a new believer and you don't feel like the Holy Spirit's changing you, I think this leads to people getting dissuaded, feeling bad about whether or not they become become a Christian or not. Right. Well, and I think... so. This is why I call it the magic prayer. Because I am making fun of it. Yeah, I just... Okay, so like the whole thing about... So I I accepted Jesus Christ when I was nine years old. I did the magic prayer. I was nine. I remember the whole situation leading up. I had a really terrible nightmare um, one night, and I was terrified to go to sleep. There was some... It was very, very dark. Something that... It was a a weird dream. Like something like... I, I don't even know how I had this in my nine-year-old brain so it just it was really dark and that kind of stuff and so uh and i was terrified um i had gotten back from awana's it was a tuesday night that i had the nightmare and then i get back on a wednesday and 
after Awadas on a Wednesday night, and uh, I was adamant that I was not going to bed. There was like no way. I was like, there's no like. And so we kind of talked about it and that kind of stuff. And my parents asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus into my heart. And the, the weird part was, like, and I talked to them and I told them, I was like, I thought he already was. I was like, I thought he already was in my heart. And I think that that's true. Like, for every for every soul on this planet, Jesus is there with you. Right. He's rooting for you. He loves you unconditionally. Every single person on this planet is loved unconditionally. There's nothing that you need to do to earn Jesus' love and to invite him in. He's already there. You just... So this is where I, when we say that you confess or whatever it is, you need to... If you're looking for that healing, if you're looking for that retribution um, from whatever you have to turn in, right? That's the whole idea about sin is you have locked Jesus out, right? That is that is what the definition of hell is. That's being removed where God is n- no longer present is you have decided that he is not allowed to be a part of your life. Uh, you have locked him out. And so, yeah, that's where I think that these scriptures go is that you that if you would like to no longer be in hell – then you need to open the door to him, so to speak, as you need to acknowledge that he is there and that you need him, right? Um, And that's something that is difficult. I think he still loves, and again, he's there for every single person, but you have to acknowledge that you need him. You need him. And so that's, it, it makes it kind of challenging, but it's just how it goes. Like when you're looking for help or something who are you turning to are you turning to yourself or are you turning to someone else and so that's when i think that when a seven-year-old gets up there and why i would never stop a five-year-old or even stop these parents that are getting their children baptized i don't think that that's a bad thing i think that you you're doing it for the wrong reasons in my opinion most of the time a lot of people even today adults when they get baptized are doing it for their eternal salvation they are like, I don't want to rot in hell. Yes. This, yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I say when it comes to the magic prayer, that doesn't work. Like, that's not what you're doing in that moment. It's not to save you from the fiery pits of hell. It's you're acknowledging that, like, hey, I have a partner. And he loves me. And he has saved me from the sins that I have. And the weight of those and and again understanding that how you are going to respond to things in the future if this is something that you are serious about is going to be completely countercultural something that's not normal so you you would admit that there should be if we are following Jesus there should be a change in how our, our worldview is how we're behaving if you are not just... in a, not in just a, like the moral sense but just in terms of really really accepting love your neighbor as yourself love your god with all your and and love your enemies yeah i think if this is something that you want to be a part of and again it's something that you want to be a part of and again this is where this is just where i think it's challenging for a lot of people to disassociate because a lot of people want to be a part of this because out of fear yeah people want to be here because they are afraid of the fiery pits of hell um and that kind of stuff or they're afraid, and it is a lot of it comes from fear. 
of death and the unknown and all that kind of stuff. And they want to know that they're going to be safe and protected and that their loved ones are going to be safe and protected and blah, blah, blah. I don't think that that's a good reason for why you should follow Jesus. I've said it several times on the show that the only reason why you should choose to follow Jesus is if you are absolutely committed to the mission and vision that he is trying to create on earth at this very moment. That's why you should be a Christian. If that's, in my opinion, I think that, and I don't think that a fifth grader or a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a nine, and like a nine-year-old have the ability to really understand what they're being called to at that moment and what they are signing up for. And so that does make it difficult. I don't blame them ever. If anybody ever wanted to do that, that's totally fine. And I'm not going to go get rebaptized, right? Like at when I was baptized when I was 9 years old, right? I, like I'm not going to go get rebaptized because I know that that I am actually bought in on the mission and vision of Jesus Christ. And I think that what he wanted for this world is what I want to do for this world too. I want to be better. I want to help this world be better. Um, and that's what you're signing on for. You're saying that this love and this sacrifice that you paid for my sins has given me freedom, and I want to use that freedom to be able to love on other people and to give them freedom from their sins as well. And once you're able to make that decision for yourself, then I think that those steps of your life being different, that just comes naturally at that point because it's what you want for your life. It's not a have to. It's not a right that's what that's what the hard part is about all these rules and all these laws is like well i have to do this and i have to do that and i was like but if you are actually bought in on the mission and the vision of jesus christ then those aren't have to's those are get to's i get to do this i get to do this and it's great i like when i go to school each day it's awesome because i get to love on 120 freshmen in high school and I get to let them know that they are loved every single day. And I get to be somebody that's, that is a part of their lives and gets to show them how much somebody cares. And I get to show them grace. Lots of grace. Even the ones that haven't turned in a single assignment all year. <laughs> I get this awesome opportunity to do that on a regular basis. And so that's, you get to. You get to, not you have to. And that, again, that's just where it's hard because, again, if you're just focused on trying to escape the fiery pits of hell, then that's always going to be a have to. I think that's a good point. I, I think that the magic prayer saving you from eternal destruction is where that, that whole little magical movement usually gets sold. Was it our second or third episode we did Heaven and Hell? I know we both said... We at least alluded to the fact that we struggled with the whole heaven and hell thing previously. But I don't know if I got in any detail. But if I did, I'm just going to re rehash it. I spent a good part of my 40s like literally having panic attacks at night. Yeah. Kind of thinking about how I'd screwed up during the day. Questioning, am I really a Christian? Because I did something just boneheaded and like what paul references the the great eternal question what what is paul talking about in that verse where he's like why do i keep doing the thing that i do and everyone you know it's the great eternal what what was it that paul did and it's some people think he had a bad some people say he had a bad temper blah 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 it was actually he kept eating rotten oysters 
Why do I keep doing? He was actually writing the book of Romans was actually written on the toilet. Yeah, um, Paul um, was like, he's like, God, if you just save me from this one thing, but I would have panic attacks. Like my wife's asleep in bed, I'm trying to go to sleep, and just would have I'd have to like literally get up, yeah, and like walk around. Yeah, I know that feeling. And then have to like go scour, then open up the Bible because somehow reading my Bible for. 10 minutes or 20 minutes but as i went to sleep but somehow proved to myself and to to god that oh yeah yeah, yeah that's, I'm, I'm i'm good i'm good you're a good boy that's absurd yeah and i think a lot of us get sold on that and it's robbing of what we're supposed to be focused on what we can do and not what we're not and not what we're falling short of yeah well and i mean i i think that what you just disclosed right now is a very real thing for a lot of people. I think a lot of people... I think that could have been added to one of our reasons why people are leaving the church. Yeah, 100%. I think Because they're like, I'm scared to death and I'm not worthy and I'm going to go to hell, so I might as well just leave this whole thing and have a lot of fun on my way out. Right, and they're... But, and, and even... You, it's people that are leaving the church and then it's people that are in the church that are shackled... By yeah. this, like these are people that are constantly living their lives in fear of the sheep's and the goats. You know, yeah. uh, they're like, uh, they're "Am I that one who's not going to make it through the eye? The camel who's make it through the eye of the needle?" Right. That's right. It is easier to uh, to uh, to fit a camel through the eye of a needle than to enter the kingdom of heaven. Thanks, Jesus. Whatever that meant. <laughs> And you look at all the the situations that happen with the Jesus praises the woman who gives up everything that she has. She gives her two her two bits, and it's like, well, am I supposed to give up everything that I have, like everything that I own, so that way I can receive praise from Jesus and that kind of stuff? It's difficult. We have a very two thousand years is a lot of time. And it's very difficult for a lot of us to sit there and and to be able to to work with a lot of the stuff that's in the scripture. We should always acknowledge that that it's, that we have gotten lots of different teachings. Um, we've had a lot of different traditions. Doesn't mean that they were biblical, but you know, there, there's been a lot of stuff over time that that we are all experiencing. And so if there's anybody out there that feels the way that Tim, Tim feels, I, I can honestly say I remember having nights like those as well, being afraid of those types of things. And I remember wrestling with kind of this idea and kind of what we talked about in the heaven and hell. And, and I talked about how I don't necessarily not believe in either of them, um, but I just don't know if, if Jesus talks about or – the Bible talks about these eternal after death places. That's just kind of where it is. So that doesn't mean that you automatically like you heard this and you're like, Oh, okay, well those just don't exist. So it's all good or whatever. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that what Jesus is talking about is here and now, and that we should be working to be better here and now. And so, and I mean like, we'll continue your story. You said that, you know, this is how you struggled. How did you eventually reconcile that? I, you know, I don't actually remember what led me out of it, but it was, it was, it was part of the whole journey that I talked about on the first episode where I just started like unpacking all of the shit 
that had been piled on to my faith. And it wasn't just the religious nonsense that's been, that's been added. And it's not, it, you know, this is what we humans do. We turn everything into religion. Yeah. It, it's one of our great curses. Right. And we're sitting here basically 2,000 years after, almost 2,000 years after we think Christ walked the earth. And we've had 2,000 really good years to load up Christianity with a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. We're Americans. Yeah, just as a quick side note, someone from Syria apparently has listened to this podcast and someone from the UK. Uh, most of, We assume most of you listening to this are Americans. We have Americanism piled on European ways of thinking piled on all of these other ways, all of these cultural, cultural, cultural things that have baggage that have been added on to what Jesus was preaching. Part of that's fine because the gospel is meant to grow, to adapt to whatever culture it's being taught in, but it also adds all kinds of baggage and people putting baggage on because they want to use Christianity as a way to control the people they're preaching it to and it turns into a dogma which it turns into a dogma and all of that stuff and then 2000 years later we've got all of these things that are well beyond what the simple thing Jesus was trying to do which was basically undo the the the, the, re the religious yoke that had been placed not only on the Jews that he was speaking to but all every tribe of people had decided to start a religion because it was their way of trying to understand God and control the people they that they're a part of, and to undo that. Right. And so I don't remember, but it just I just kind of came to the conclusion of just it, it was it was I don't remember what the epiphany was, but it was just the epiphany of going to heaven is not the thing. No. The main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is to. I think it was undoing what you talked about. Evangelicalism is focused on the eternal and the what's going to happen in the afterlife. And I'm sorry, folks. It's fine to be concerned about that, but it is. I'm gonna. I am gonna say this. It is unbiblical to be focused on the afterlife I'm and gonna... not the here and now. When Jesus is talking to circling back to what you're saying, when Jesus is talking about heaven and hell. I am not certain what Jesus is talking about in the eternal, in the afterlife. Yeah. And I'm quite confident none of us really are. Right. It's a mystery. What I am confident of is he's probably talking about both, but what he wants us to focus on is the here and now. Right. And modern Christianity, I don't mean like last hundred years, the last couple hundred centuries fo started focusing on the eternal the post life and where the church before that had it right was building the kingdom of heaven now yes. and we undid that yeah somewhere along the way probably around the 15 1600s i don't know when it was someone our new friend mr mcclellan will in, probably inform us when this new movement came along and started focusing on the eternal and maybe it's just only a couple hundred years old. The kingdom of heaven is now. We will never build a perfect kingdom as humans. But our goal is to do what we can to build the kingdom of heaven 
Jesus's kingdom here and now on the earth as long as we are alive. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what's really important about what you just said, and it kind of just reminded me, and I think I've used this analogy before, is just, you know, you have that. Like, I remember when I was growing up, and you would say something to your parents about, like, well, so-and-so's parents let them do this. And your parents would be like, I don't care what so-and-so's parents are doing. (laughs) Yeah. This is what we're doing. And so, and the reason why I bring that up is because we're focused on, on this thing that doesn't even matter in the household that we're in right we're focused on this thing that god is like we don't care like I, like it's it's not about that it, it and here's the thing is you have the ability right now to control everything that you do everything that you do is controllable by you every single day There is nothing that you do out of your control. How you respond to situations, the mental capacity that you have, right? Like this is, I mean, this is something that they talk about uh, like in therapy and in psychology when it's like you have the thoughts that are fixated in your mind or whatever. They're like, you actually, believe it or not, do have the power within your brain not to think about those things. Like you have the ability, it's whether or not you give it power in those times. And so we give so much power to these things that we have absolutely no control over. We have no control over what happens when we die. No. But what we do have control over is what is happening here and now. And we decide to focus instead on those things and to let those things decide what we do here and now. But that doesn't make any sense. We've been asked to focus on the here and now. And so that's what we should do. Not focus on the here and now for later. Focus on it here and now because that's just what's best. Building a world that is trying to achieve what Jesus tried to achieve. And again, what Jesus tried to achieve is not cram himself down everybody's throat, right? He didn't go over the, like, when he's dealing with the woman at the well, when he's dealing with the Samaritans, when he's dealing with the guy who's like, who is trying to understand the scriptures or whatever the lepers he deals with the people criminals. he deals with the he deals with the people wherever they're at right so when the roman centurion has his uh slave come and says my master's was his kids dying or something yes and jesus says i'll be there and he says no my lord knows if you just have to say it and jesus says no one else has as much faith as this guy does which is i mean talk about a guy you want to meet like (laughs) this guy's a pagan literally a pagan that's what you'd call him a pagan yeah and he's somehow already built up enough faith like that cat knows what he's doing i believe in that guy go tell that guy heal my daughter and he doesn't even need to show up he'll just do it and jesus like well i need more of these guys right yeah it's but with but with other folks, he meets them where they're at. Exactly, and I mean, like even then, like like what you said, he's he's this pagan. Does he then go to that guy's house and does he then go and minister to him? And he says, uh, "Oh, you need to you need to remove all the idols you still have up the family idols." Right. I don't. That must have been in like Bartholomew's. Book. <laughs> That's why we didn't read it. It's, it's right. Just, uh, it's, it's in Bar. It's the it's in the Bartholomew letter. <laughs> yeah, like golly, yeah. That's the thing. Is like where... second book of Acts. 
Uh, yeah, okay, so where where you can see Jesus pointing the finger is he's pointing the finger at what exactly Tim was talking about earlier, where there's this burden, there's this yoke that yeah. is being put on people. You're not worthy comes, enough. And he comes in, and those people come after him first, right? The Pharisees come in, and they they try to do tricks and traps. Jesus heals on the Sabbath. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Right? These burdens, these things that are like, you can't do this, you can't do that, blah, 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 blah. The apostles are gathering food on on Sabbath. Right. Oh, my goodness. How dare they? He he curses a, a fig tree on the Sabbath. You know, like there's this whole bit. And so Jesus was like, these, these things don't matter. They don't matter. He's like, you're, you're getting hung up on the stupidest shit is literally what he's frustrated with the entire time. And that's what he's trying to point out with these people. And one of the reasons why Tim and I started this podcast, and again, you are more than welcome to chime in and say anything at any time, is we as a, as a people, as a Christianity group right now, we get hung up on the stupidest shit. Yeah. And sometimes it, yeah, sometimes it is this magic prayer where it is, this is really... What you think is happening is not happening. That's just not how it works. You need to be fully invested in who Jesus Christ is. You have to be fully invested in what he wants for you and for your life. And that's the best thing that you can do. It's not the other. And so you have to stay focused on that. But if you don't, you're going to be in a world of hurt. You're going to be in a world where you don't think that you're good enough. Where you don't feel like you can amount to much. You're going to feel like what you said where the Holy Spirit isn't talking to you. You're going to feel like in a desert all the time. You're going to read stories from the Bible. You're going to hear stories from around the world, right? Like if you would have sat there and you would have had that exact same experience when you were seven years old and you want to experience a miracle like this lady did in China, but it never happens, right? You keep waiting. You right, keep right. Waiting, yeah, that's waiting. Yes. And what? Oh, then your magic prayer didn't work. Right, right. Yes. So we have these two tensions in the church. We have the Catholic tension and we have the Protestant tension. The problem on the Catholic side is, and if you're a Catholic listening to this and you don't find this to be true, to be true in your life, that's fine. Let's just Catholicism at its worst is I do something wrong and I have to do, I have to do confession. I have to do penance. 500 years ago, you might have to pay indulgences, which were really just for the rich. It was like carbon taxes for the rich. And if you don't do those, then you don't earn your way into heaven. That That's it, Catholicism at, ex, at its extreme. And again, if you're listening to this, you get Catholic, you grew up Catholic, that's not great, wonderful. I'm, I'm glad. Because there is something, I think, therapeutic. If you don't believe that it's key to your salvation, there is something therapeutic about however often you want to do it to go to a priest and actually confess your sins and blah 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 protestant extreme is there's literally nothing you can do and if you don't see any change in your and but there needs to be a change in your life manifest and if you don't see any change then it probably means you're not really a christian that's one part of the extreme of the protestant side the other extreme is to what you were saying the protestant side is more built on the internal sins and so therefore 
we're concerned about our internal sins or what we directly do. And we're not concerned about building the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is this post apocalyptic thing. And so there's no concern for building the kingdom of God here. Right. Other than maybe just saving people, but there's no, there is no literal physical thing of what can we do now? Certainly there's partisan groups that go out and they try to, well, no, they go out and evangelize people in the third world and stuff like that. But those are the extremes. There are people in the middle that aren't that extreme. Those are the two extremes. It's fighting that tension to get to. And the problem with the magic prayer for the Protestant side in particular is, well, the Catholic extreme is I'm baptized, (laughs) like literally in the Godfather. I was baptized as a baby, so somehow I'm, you know, I'm Catholic and I'm baptized. No, it's more than that. And on the Protestant side... No, there is more than just being, you know, if you just say the magic prayer and then you go on being a heathen, I don't know, might not have meant something, but it's also if you just said the magic prayer because you're because you're just consumed about going to hell or heaven, you're missing the point. You're missing the point because you're still going to be consumed like, oh, I did this. Oh, I did that. I did this. I did that. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? Okay, so we've now spent, so point number two, we've now spent, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes dumping on magic prayers. And I hope if I'm going to saying this, hoping we've kind of mocked and said magic prayer. I know there are people who have said a prayer and that's all it took for them to, for their lives to be transformed. So I don't want to also completely discount the prayer. There are people who have been racked with addiction and other similar fiction afflictions who have gotten so far to their depths and all they can do is cry out and say, save me from this. And they've, that's it. They've been saved from it. So I don't want to discount that either. Paul was struck by God and we're not all Paul, but he did have that moment, right? He's blinded. Right. God reveals himself says, uh, why are you punishing my people? Come follow me, and that's it. Again, we're not all Paul, but we're also not, all of us aren't Paul. We have these moments where we are so at our depths that we cry out and say, I can't do this anymore. And God steps in and sometimes for us literally just says, okay, that's it. You were an addict of whatever, meth, whatever, two minutes ago, it's now gone. I don't want to discount that either. No, I wouldn't discount it. I, I think that there is divine intervention and in that it happens for people. Yeah, I, I don't know if we've ever really talked about it in here or on this show about if miracles still happen kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's always difficult, um, especially in our day and age. And, and even, it, it, and we say that it's difficult back then, it's difficult now. What do miracles look like? What do, you know... And what does divine intervention look like? And we don't want to take it away from people that have it and, and that kind of stuff. There are very legitimate things that have woken people up out of stupors or whatever to be tremendous believers. And we don't want to take that power away. What we're talking about tonight is just this. I think the what we have mainly talked about is the pressure that we place upon some of these things. 
where there is a need for these things to occur in order enough for faith to take place, in order enough for grace to take place, in order enough for freedom to take place. We have to experience this in order enough for this to happen. And we're saying that, no, that's not necessarily true. And for a lot of people, that's it's not necessarily true. There's a lot of people that don't experience divine intervention. There's a lot of people that don't experience this prayer that it, it gets answered. And it's hard because, you know, uh, kids go to church camp and, and they're moved and they're emotionally invested and that kind of stuff. And, and they come back and, and life's the same. Can we let's let's punctuate it this way? What we've been fumbling around trying to illustrate—I don't—I well, don't know fumbling, but I think this illustration will make it clear, kind of what we're talking about to people. Going back to what we were just talking about, I don't—I don't think there's any—I I doubt there's any true. Doesn't matter what denomination, you'd be hard pressed to find a church that didn't believe someone would have one of those road to Damascus moments, right? Yeah. Okay. Even at the church we're at, even at the church, like this is like the church we're at so progressive, but at the church we're at, no one would scoff like someone coming and say like, I had an addiction. I cried out to, to God to take it. And no one would be like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. That's something we're familiar with. What I don't think is familiar with, and I don't think is really discussed at churches, and at a lot of churches is not even cultivated, because there is kind of this thing of, to be overly harsh, one's already kind of got to be clean somewhat before they walk in the door, or at least they start participating. Yeah. Got to have your life together in order to go to church if you didn't know that people that are listening listening get your life together first and then go to church we'll put it this way so our church talks about you don't have to be a jesus follower to come to church you don't have to be a jesus follower to participate in a lot of the volunteer stuff you have to do they just want you to be there but we're heathens (coughs) but we're even they're not the only church i think you know uh annie stanley is a prominent pastor in the atlanta area he talks about this it's it's not novel it's not it's not common but it's not novel Again, they're not going to make you like a small group leader. I know it, no. may, I know gonna, it may seem like they would because, uh, no. we, again, Dan's going to get on here and he's going to tear us apart. And they're going to be like, how the hell did they make these guys small group leaders? And we're going to be like, I don't know. So. No, you, you'll maybe help in children's or, you know, or, or usher, or, you know, Assuming greeting you teams or yeah, yeah. music or something. But there's the magic prayer. But some of us, I think... I think that's why we talk about what our, kind of our podcast is take the edges off of Christ, the Christianity, the, the rules and the judgmental of it is some of us just need time. It's like the, the, the fake analogy. It doesn't really happen, but the frog in the slow boil of just kind of one day you just wake up and you're like, I think I'm a Jesus follower. There's no magic prayer. There's no letting God and Jesus in your life. It's just, I think I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah. But we don't talk about that really as a church. We don't let that cultivate. No, we don't. And I, I don't, to be fair, I don't know how to, if I'm being honest. I mean, what are you going to do? Stand up there as a pastor and say, yeah, just kind of. 
I think that they're I think the way that you cultivate it is simply kind of what we've been talking about is I I think that there needs to be you, you just have to you have to take the pressure off. I, I, again, that's what Jesus tried to do. It's what you were talking about where it's like all of the sudden the weight was lifted, right? Like it was I'm trying to relieve myself of all these pressures, this yoke, this burden, this whatever. And I think that the best way moving forward, and if you want people involved in that kind of stuff, is you sit there. And I think that that's what Jesus wanted was, hey, the pressure's off. These are the important things that matter. And actually, they're countercultural, and they're not easy to do, like, psychologically, (laughs) you know? I really don't like that guy. And yet... I should really be good to him. That's really frustrating. But the whole bit about like understanding that the laws and the rules that were put in place in the Old Testament and that were re-brought up in the New Testament, right? When, when Jesus gets up and he does the Sermon on the Mount and, and we look at, you know, like, let's say, for example, let's talk about like the adultery situation, right? How many of you have been adulterous, right? And they talk to the, and he talks to the guys and he says, you know, um, if you ever look at a woman lustfully, then you have committed adultery with her in your heart, right? And then he goes on to say it's better to slice off your hand than to than for you to not enter the kingdom of heaven, right? And so through that process, we're able to sit there and see like, yes, there are there are rules that we still need to follow and those are what's best for us. Again, understanding what we have talked about before, that there are rules and things that that Jesus has put in place that are best for us as a people to where we, and a lot of them that are in place are actually about not hurting other people, right? When you commit adultery and you do these types of things, you're actually hurting other people's as well as you're hurting your own, your own soul. You know, these are things that are making things darker and, and harder for you. Um, And there's weight and there's guilt and, and all that kind of stuff, and, and Jesus wants to relieve you of those burdens. And so that's what he continues to try to do. And so that's what we should be pushing for is that these are not, again, God's grace and love is for every single person, no matter how many mistakes that you ever make. And to be a Jesus follower, you should feel the relief of those pressures being taken off and that you get to be an active participant in making sure that those pressures are taken off of other people. But I don't know. That's just what I would suggest. We use the, we, you and I both try to use the phrase Jesus follower. And part of that's because Jesus himself in the English translations that we're familiar with, I don't know what it is in the original Greek and what Jesus said in the Aramaic. Jesus talks about. Well, his name wasn't really Jesus. That's true. Whatever. (laughs) Was it Yeshua either? I learned that. Uh, his name who will not be named. The knights who say me. The knights who say me. Uh, you know, Jesus talks about picking up your cross. Jesus makes it clear. This isn't, he makes it clear. It's not some magical prayer. It is a process. Yes. You are following him. You're. It is some act. While we are not earning our faith, it is a way of life. It is a way of thought. And so in that sense, if you say the magic prayer and then you're same, the same douchebag, then yeah, this probably wasn't, you just had like, I don't know what happened, but. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a good point 
I because you would say that right. I mean, like I hate to bring this in, but I mean, just because some people would literally probably turn off their podcast at this. But I mean, like if you said that you were a follower of the teachings of Buddha, right? Again, this is somebody who doesn't believe in in this 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 eternal life or this after death type of thing, right? The best thing that you could do is to become energy, right? Like that is right. So so you go and if you were following Buddha's teachings, then you would do exactly what he did, and you would do what and and that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You are following his teachings. If he says to do this, that's what you do. You do what your teacher tells you to do. Right. And here's the thing is that it's a choice. Right. For every single person. It's, it's a choice for you. Don't sit there and say that I have to follow Jesus. No, no, no. Choose Jesus. That's what it's been the whole time. It's been this free will. God wants you to choose him. You don't got to choose him. Choose him if you want him. That's how you want. That's how you're going to have a real, honest, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Is if you actively choose him and you follow his teachings it's something where you have actively chosen for yourself that i am going to do whatever he says that's what it means to follow jesus christ i'm not gonna open up the other can of worms that i can well i would say i so here's here's the thing so my wife and i just watched i think it's called spirited it's apple plus Apple t- Apple Plus TV, I don't know, whatever. It's uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. It, they're doing a re- reimagining of, of Christmas Carol. <laughs> and uh, part, you know, the whole part of Christmas Carol is its ways of behavior. You're being judged by your behavior. In this reimagining of it, Will Ferrell plays uh, Ebenezer. He's now the guy trying to save everybody he's doing the same thing anyway he's the ghost of christmas present now and yet we find out in the movie that he's still concerned that he is not a good he's not a good enough person because we find out he died like 15 days after he transformed and my wife and i are watching this and i i looked at her and she goes this kind of like remarkably They've like backdoored these. No one, clearly, no one who wrote this show. I don't, I would be shocked if anyone who wrote this movie was a Christian. But they've kind of backdoored their way into somewhat of a Christian message. So here's my point. You mentioned that to some people, and they well, there's no mention of Jesus, so this is just some secular humanism bullshit, and this is just leading people astray of the message of the gospel. So is Lord of the Rings. Well, yeah. My point is, it's because the people who are promoting that, they are manifest. They, they, it's fundamental to their belief in Christianity that someone's got to say that magic prayer before they start acting like a Jesus follower for it to, for it to be real. Yeah. Because if they don't, well, they're just, you know, they're just a good person. Don't you know? They're just a good person but they're not really saved. <coughs> and you and I both made it clear in here, we do believe at the end of the day, there's got to be a moment where you accept Jesus, right? To be a Jesus follower. Yeah. 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 But I think sometimes we get out of the way of just letting people act like Jesus. Fo- Again, that's what I was talking about, the way our church, our church talks about it. 
let someone just act like a true Jesus follower and and then they and then they become they're like, "Oh yeah, I totally get what this guy was talking about." And now I accept. Yeah. But we 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 front load this whole thing with this moment of did you just have this moment magical thing where you got like struck by lightning and told like, "Yes, you are Jesus. I accept you into my life. You're now my Lord and Savior. And now I'm going to get baptized. And that's it. And because you didn't have that moment, well, it's just, you know, it's just these are just works. And you're trying to earn yourself in by works. How about you just let the guy or the gal act like a Jesus follower for a while and let things play out? Well, if that was honestly all it took. I'm going to start. I'm going to start vouching for every other church to just do cue cards. And we'll just have them read that out loud right before they get back. Sure, hell yeah. I was struck by lightning, you know, or something. I mean, there's a tension in all of these things. I just, I, it just seems like we've got, we're we're front loaded on too much of the, say the magical prayer and all that kind of thing. And part of it's because again, we saw this huge movement. We've we had two, three enlightenments, Christian enlightenments. We had two for sure, and then probably a third one with. Billy Graham. I mean, God, you know, God bless him, but I don't know that it didn't make us lazy in how we think. Yeah. Well, you want to wrap her up? Well, we thank you for listening to the Go to Hell podcast. We hope you've stayed tuned throughout the whole thing. And if you are Dan McClellan, feel free to reach out to us at the Go to Hell pod on Twitter or uh, something on Instagram and uh, tell us to go to hell.